Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. I am Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy and Devin Hassan. Uh, gentlemen, for the second straight Thursday, we are coming to y'all from Kelly's Craft Tavern here in Frisco. Somehow they uh, they didn't kick us out after <laughs> uh, after last week, and that's uh, that's a that's a good thing because otherwise, then we would have uh, you know we wouldn't have had the opportunity to potentially partake in uh, whether it's the uh, the craft beers at their full service bar, the made from scratch food. That is Kelly's out here at Preston Ridge on the west side of Preston, just north of 121. Big thanks to them for having us out for another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. And we are here to talk some basketball because we are right immersed in the home stretch. Um, in boys basketball, we have just two games left. We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, the girls are prepping for the playoffs and whatnot next week, so we're going to touch on a little bit of both. We're going to start, though, on the boys' side of things, talk some of the home stretch storylines and just um, what is at stake because right now we are uh, fully immersed in district title races, playoff races, and what have you. So, um, Brian, over in your end, man, what is uh, what's going on? Whether it's in Frisco, Little Elm, what is uh, what is up? What is at stake these uh, these last couple nights of the season? Everything is at stake with uh, with a couple games left, um, two games left actually in. in Nine five A in the Frisco district. You know, right when I thought Independence was going to pull away, and I and I, you know, I predicted. A, you know, what was it last week on the pod? Um, I said, yeah, I think Independence has the best shot. Well, at the time they did, and <laughs> now that's changed um, because yeah, Wakeland they've picked up some big wins. They beat Liberty last Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat them pretty good in a, in a defensive battle, um, and then they beat Memorial, another team that's uh, making a playoff push. They're tied with Frisco for the fourth and final playoff spot at ten mm-hmm. and six. Um, but Wakeland beat them on a buzzer beater. Wow. Uh, they, the game was 77-77. Um, Wakeland got the ball back with like eight, nine seconds left. They bring it down. Um, their their sophomore point guard, Michael Neiman, brings it up trying to make a play. He kicks it out to the corner, hits the three. Literally as time expires, I saw the, the video of it on Twitter and everyone's going nuts. And it was at Memorial. Wow. So on the road, hostile environment <laughs> um, over there at, at second year Frisco Memorial. Uh, so now Wakeland, they're sitting there at 12-4, and four, all alone in first place. Uh, and then you have Independence and Centennial. You know they they've been the constants. It's been the Wakeland Independent Centennial trio, mm-hmm. you know, being that, those top three seeds. But no one has really been able to separate more than one game, and, and no team has. Because um, if you look, uh, like I said, Centennial is eleven and five, tied with Independence. Then you look, you have Memorial and Frisco, ten and six, and Liberty's still somehow in the mix, somewhere in the mix after that zero and five start, and they won seven in a row to all of a sudden just surge back into mm-hmm. the mix. They're nine and seven. Technically, they could still make the playoffs. Um, they need some help from Frisco and Memorial, um, and just certain tiebreakers. If, if you know whatever happens with Centennial and Independence, they're not safe completely mm-hmm. um, either. So there's a lot to be played for, um, you know, Tuesday and Friday next week. What does um, what does your gut tell you as far as how this Jeez, is all going to shake Matt, out? You're putting me on the spot. That's uh, what I do. <laughs> I I think. As is right now, well, it's not hard to say because as is because Memorial and Frisco are tied, but I I think it's going to be Wakeland, Independence, Centennial, 
and Memorial. Okay. I think those are the four playoff teams. Don't t- don't don't ask me to to seed them. I, <laughs> I have no clue, but I think it'll be those four. Over in uh, District Nine Six A, we've got uh, we've got a couple nice races that are uh, that are still developing. Um, there's no question at the top of the district. Um, Allen wrapped up its first outright district title since 1992 um, on Tuesday with a win over Plano West. The Eagles are 12 and 0. They have uh, they are well clear of the field, so Allen has got the one seed locked up. It's um it's those other three seeds that are very much in uh, in play. You have Prosper and McKinney, which are tied for second place at 9-3, and three, and um, we'll find out on Friday who's going to get that two seed, because that is sure enough when those two teams will rematch. Um, currently, McKinney has the edge due to getting that first head-to-head win. Uh, Plano West, though, did Prosper a huge favor upsetting McKinney in the second half of district to give the Eagles a, a fighting chance heading into that, uh, into that rematch. Um, and then, the one that I'm fascinated to see what shakes out is the race for the four seed, because Plano has been They've been right there. They've been on the doorstep for the past, you know, what, two weeks it feels like. They built what felt like a pretty comfortable lead. They've shaken Jesuit. They've shaken Boyd. And then there's Plano East that's still just... Uh, they won't go they away. They won't go yeah. away, no. <laughs> Plano East still has a has a fighting chance for this. So I'm um, with Plano. They're 6-6 uh, they're six and six right now, looking to clinch their first playoff berth since 2014. They just need a win. So, they, I mean, the stakes are relatively, you know, straightforward for them. Two games back is, uh, is Plano East. Plano East kept its hopes alive on Tuesday with a big 15-point win at Jesuit. Um, you know, Jesuit was a little shorthanded. They were missing their, uh, their big man, Daryl Brown, and the Panthers uh, capitalized accordingly. Uh, Evan Williams, uh, Plano East muscle in the middle. He had, a, he had a pretty big game for them, had a double-double and whatnot, and they just, I mean, just just destroyed them on the boards, like 41-19 to 19 and just a massive advantage points in the paint. You could really sense the absence of, uh, of Brown there in the Jesuit lineup, but fair play to East, though, for taking advantage, and they're, uh, they're two games back. Plano had a shot against Prosper, and if you saw the video on Twitter, Brian, but uh, a game-winning layup by Grant Shaw denied the uh, denied the Wildcats at the very end. So, um, as far as what these two teams have left, though, in front of them, um, you know, Plano has games Friday against Allen. That's probably not going to go terribly well. But then um, Tuesday against Plano, uh, Plano West, you know, last place Plano West. And then with East, they have uh, games remaining against McKinney-Boyd. If you remember, the first meeting between Plano East and Boyd went right down to the wire. It was decided on a half-court buzzer beater by Colin O'Brien. Um, so, again, not a whole lot separating those two the first time they locked up. We'll see how much has changed in the rematch on Friday. And then East uh, turns around and plays Prosper in its regular season finale. So there is a scenario where we could get to Tuesday and there's just one game separating these two, and they split the regular season series head-to-head, so you could be looking at a potential play-in game if Plano loses out and East wins out. And then you have District 66A, which has been one of the most contentious playoff races in the entire area. I would say there were five teams that were within like one game of each other at the midpoint of the season. It was, it's, a, it's been a, a pretty rough-and-tumble district over there in Louisville ISD and Capel. And, um, yeah, right now, as far as uh, where things stand, uh, Capel is in first place. They're 10-2. and two. Uh, but they have not locked anything up yet. They're only one game clear of, uh, of Irving MacArthur and Louisville. Those two are tied for second place at 9-3. and three. Then you have Flower Mound, which is in fourth place at 8-4, and four. And Marcus still on the hunt at 7-5. Uh, and five. So um, what this all means, the, uh, the biggest takeaways from this is Louisville, which at the midpoint of the season, you weren't really sure what you had with Louisville. They were, I mean, they, you know, they started off with four wins, and then they lost their last three, and they were actually on the outside of the playoff picture at the, at the midpoint, despite having a, a presumptive 
district MVP candidate in Keontae George. Um, so, I mean, just to see the Farmers and how they have been able to, you know, kind of reverse course and to the point where they have not lost a game in the second half of district. They were able to, again, they swept Capel. They're the only, the only team in the district that's been able to beat Capel, and they did it twice. Um, they were able to avenge a prior loss against Marcus. Um, in addition to Keontae George, they got a big game from Kylan Green in that one with 19 points. Um, and then they've got games with, uh, with Flyerman and MacArthur left. So there is still a path to the district title for Louisville. Despite all that they've been through this season, it is still because they have that head-to-head over Capel. Capel just needs a win period just to clinch a, uh, at least a share of the district title. Um, in Flyer Mount's case, they just they need to win Friday versus Louisville or Tuesday versus Irving to clinch a playoff spot. Um, if they don't get it Friday, I'd say they're probably getting it Tuesday. Irving has not won a game yet in district. Um, let's see, Devin. How about over in uh, whether it's Garland ISD or Mesquite ISD? What is uh, what is happening over in your neck of the woods? Uh, where would you want to start? Uh, I mean, uh, we'll go 10-6A. Um, this has been... Wiley ran away with this thing a long time ago, which was a surprise to me. Uh, but they've done it day in, day out. They're 12-0. Yeah. Um, it's Devin, basically been, when, was, when was the last time South Garland didn't win the district? Uh, three years, basically. So basically the, you the have Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey, Chris Harris, where they went, rolled undefeated. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're, you're, no you're good. Um, but essentially, after Wiley, it's been a five-team race for those other three playoff spots, and they've traded. I mean, they've knocked each other off. Uh, North Garland finally got eliminated um, on Tuesday. Lakeview clinched. So now you have basically three teams battling for two spots. Uh, you have Lakeview at 8-4, and four, Saxe at 7-5, and five, and South Garland and Garland both at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Saxe is still in good position. Even though they play Wiley on Friday, um, they close with Naaman Forrest. Uh, who's the last place team in the district? Uh, so they're still really, but stranger things have happened, especially yeah. the way these things have gone, and you don't take anything for granted. Um, South Garland and Garland play on Friday. I think that's basically de facto playing games since they both have really tough challenges the mm-hmm. following week. Uh, you know, it, again, uh, worst case scenario for Saxe is they lose out, and you know both those teams win their finale, and there's some kind of tiebreaker situation. But Saxe's in really good shape okay. uh, to get back to the playoffs for the second year in a row. Eleven six A has been a five-team race at the top. Uh, since since day one, it still is. You have Rockwall and Horn that are tied at eight and two. Uh, Longview at eight and three. Rockwall Heath at six and four. Mesquite at five and five. Those first three, Rockwall, Horn, and Longview, have all clinched and they all play each other these last weeks. Which will, I mean, they're going to settle on the court. I Absolutely. mean, Rockwall, Rockwall in particular, uh, they play Longview and Horn mm-hmm. for their final two games. Uh, Horn plays Mesquite and Rockwall, and then Longview uh, just has the Rockwall on a bye. Um, Mesquite's kind of the interesting story about this because. You you know, four games in, they're alone in first place, and they've just kind of had some struggles. And now they are really a, a, a long shot to make the playoffs because they they trail Rockwell Heath by just one game, but Rockwell Heath closes with Tyler Lee, who's winless, um, and then they have the head-to-head with Mesquite. Mm. While as Mesquite has Horn on Friday, and then they have the, the head-to-head meeting. Well, that head-to-head meeting on Tuesday may not mean anything if Heath beats Lee and Mesquite loses to Horn. Okay, so. They went from being the district front runner to being the odd man out. Uh, we'll see if they can turn things around. Again, they're capable of beating Horn. Uh, but then not only would they have to beat Rockwell Heath in that finale, that would just force a tie so they would have a play-in game later yeah. that week. Uh, just real quickly on 13-5A, or in boys basketball, we call it the Lancaster District. Uh, <laughs> they, yeah, they've, as, as expected, they've run away with it. Uh, Poteet is solidly in second right now. They're 8-3. and three. Uh, Kaufman is 6-4. and four. Uh, It's going to come down to the, with the second seed. Those teams play in the season finale, and uh, it's likely the second seed will be on the line. West Mesquite was in really good position. They could have clinched on Tuesday, and then they got upset. They 
had a fourth quarter lead, and North, North Forney was able to rally, uh, come back and beat West Mesquite. So they pulled within a game of West Mesquite. And so you kind of, oh, West Mesquite's still in good shape. They play Forney on Friday, and they're in with that win. But if they lose... North Forney has a very good chance to, to, to pull into a tie because they close with Terrell, who is also winless. So, West Mesquite, like I say, Poteet in. West Mesquite with a good chance to be in, but they still have a little work to do because they should have probably beat North Forney on Tuesday. <laughs> so, nothing's assured on Friday. Brian, let's close this first half out with a look at District 8-5-A right now and where things are at for the Colony and Little Elm, both of whom have thrust themselves right into the playoff mix. And I'm um, sure enough, right now, they are uh, they're tied for second place. And they play tomorrow night. It's so fitting. At the <laughs> That rivalry just it's it just gets even better by the years. Even without R.J. Hampton, without you know all the uh, the stars from the Colony last year, mm-hmm. it still has plenty of luster. And the winner of that game tomorrow night could potentially be looking at the two seed. One seed is out of the question. Yep. Denton Braswell has has locked that thing up. Um, speaking of which, man, what I mean, you should talk about just the momentum that a program could be building as they prepare to make the jump to six A. What a start to just the 2019-20 school year for Braswell. Yeah, on the football field, oh, yeah. on the basketball court, in girls and boys, you know they're kind of like. I, I see them transitioning kind of like a prosper. For sure. I, I see them jumping right into 6A, maybe not make the playoffs in every sport mm. in their first year like Prosper did, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're, you know, comp- you know contending mm. in football, obviously contending in basketball. Next year I'm talking about yeah. like, with the Geyer and Allen, that new district popping up. Um, but, yeah, no, Braswell, they're, they're, they're on the right path in what? This is their third year, fourth it, year? It feels ever? like it, yeah. yeah. That's kind of an underrated talent base over there. For I sure. Mean, Geyer, you, people don't realize how good that Geyer and Ryan have been in multiple sports, and then you throw Braswell in there, mm. instant success in there. I mean, that's. I'm curious as to where Braswell pulls their kids from because they're in Little Elm mm-hmm. zone or something like that. They take some Little Elm, but they're they're Denton Braswell, they're Denton, Denton ISD, but it's in the city <laughs> of Little Elm. I've never like understood that. And it's right there off 380, and it pulls yeah. kids from almost like almost like West Prosper. I don't know. It's a it's a unique. Uh, one of my friends is a is a coach in like the seventh or eighth grade mm-hmm. of one of the feeder schools, and they, they they just have so much talent up there. And so it's no coincidence that you know the Braswell is so good. They were able to uh, to gut out a tough one against the Colony on Tuesday, uh, forty to thirty nine. A grinder was the that was the final score. That uh, that snapped a five game winning streak by the uh, by the Cougars, and you know the Colony and Little Elm have been two of the hottest teams in this district. They have just vaulted up into uh, into contention for that number two seed. The Colony, as I just said, had a five game winning streak. That was another team that was really really up and down throughout the first half of district. Tough to really figure out what they had, uh, but then they've uh, they've really really thrived in close quarters of those five wins. Three of them were decided by five points. Or less, um, you know, guys like Keith Miller, Tay Mosher, and then um, you know, Caden Sclafani. They've um, just they've they've been stepping up when need be, and they've put themselves in position. They do have the head-to-head currently over Little Elm. Little Elm could obviously return the favor tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. But um, but what have you seen out of the Lobos now as they have thrust themselves into the mix with four consecutive wins? And they're red hot. Yeah, a big win. You know, Tuesday against Justin Northwest. You know, they had a, they needed uh, late free throws from Michael Prather to mm-hmm. win that game by one. So it was their second victory over Northwest. If you look at it this way, if they lose that game Tuesday, Little Elm's five and five. Northwest is five and five, wow. and anything can happen from that point because then, you know, there's no Little Elm now has the you know that head to head over them and a two game lead. But if they lose that game, they're tied. 
just tied dead even. And then you also have to worry about Denton Ryan, who they've now fallen to six and five. But I think they, I believe they close up the year against Denton, and Denton's two and eight. That should be a win for mm-hmm. Ryan. Remember Denton Ryan? We were talking you know, like two, three weeks ago. Yeah, he was in Braswell at the top. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then they've lost, I believe, four or five in a row. I think it's four in a row that they've lost, and they've kind of come back to earth, which has been really big mm-hmm. for a team like Little Elm. You know, two weeks ago it looked like hey, it could have been Braswell Ryan Northwest um, and the Colony with the Colony getting hot mm-hmm. there in the mid part of district. And it looked like maybe Little Elm was going to get left out, but this four four win streak has come at the right time, and that win against Northwest was the biggest of the year. And that's got to be just such a reassuring note for the program when you consider you know RJ Hampton you know goes overseas over the summer, and you're just wondering, okay, he's back by the way. What is I know yeah, he's, I saw. he's back home. Yeah. He's at Little Home. Yeah, he's training for the draft. Um, and I you just you wonder then just okay, what does this program have? You know, the new head coach, just a complete change of the guard in Little Elm, and so to uh, in the first year of the post RJ Hampton uh, um, at Little Elm, and they're still able to somehow carve out a playoff birth, despite having to gut it out, too, because it was hardly uh, one that was just, you know, just a, mm-hmm. they paved their way to. I'm not going to lie. I, when I saw them, the very, it was the second game of the season against Liberty, uh, non-district. It was mid-November, and I was like, first go school. I get to check them out. Liberty, the district champs from last year, and Little Elm, let's see what they're about. You know, lo- losing, you know, the district MVPs, respectively. Um, and just seeing, you know, seeing Little Elm that night, man, mm-hmm. I, I recognized one player uh, it was Keith Smith, and he was the lone start, returning starter from Little Elm. And I didn't recognize – I recognized a couple of the kids from JV and from guys that – you know, Christian Mirage, guys mm-hmm. that played, you know, barely, very small minutes last year. And there was, you know, maybe almost almost a dozen guys I did not know that were not on the team last year that moved or from JV or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I don't know what – what Little Elm is going to be this year. And to see them, you know, in, in the driver's seat, they haven't clinched anything yet, but no. to be in the driver's seat, to finish, you know, possibly second, For if sure. they beat the Colony, that's that's huge right there. Um, obviously, uh, you know, whereas the boys still have a couple nights left in their regular season, uh, the girls have uh, wrapped up their regular season and are now prepping for the playoffs. Um, we're going to get to kind of a mini playoff preview on the girls' side of things in just a moment. But first, got a special guest swinging by as Plano East head girls basketball coach Jessica Linson stops by the podcast to chat about the Lady Panthers season and um, their upcoming playoff match. We're being joined by Jessica Linson, head coach of the Plano East girls basketball team. Coach, thank you for taking the time out of your uh, your busy day to swing oh. by Kelly's Craft Tavern and stop down on the High School Sports oh. Podcast by Star Local Media. Thank you for having uh, having me. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're getting uh, getting ready for the playoffs. Yes. Fresh off a second place in uh, in district uh, after what a uh, what a grind that had to be to get to this point um, with the team that you have. I mean, just just talk about how rewarding it is to have a second place finish now and to be able to now look ahead to the playoffs. Yes, um, it is because of course we were three and three I think at the at the half so it was kind of a panic with them being so young and you just didn't know uh, where they could go it could go really good or it could be really bad especially the type of games we lost Allen by one Plano by eight McKinney by five we had spotted McKinney 12 so it was just like what are we gonna do but I told them even in my past coaching profession I was like I always do better in the second round Mm -hmm. like y'all just trust me you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay and uh, I just had that mentality and they really sold out in the second half of district they were just very committed Mm -hmm. to me uh, the vision and what we were trying to do Um, I regret that Plano game (laughs) I I think we could have ran the table but uh, just to see their growth as being young kids and they're learning how to win 
Because I feel like that was a struggle mm-hmm. first. Coach, I'd like to take some credit for the yes. good, for the <laughs> for the successes of the second yes. half because I, I met you after the Prosper yes, game and y'all is. beat Prosper. And that was uh-huh. a big win. Mm-hmm. It kind of it kind of eliminated Prosper uh, essentially, and then y'all went on, you know, to beat Allen. You kept telling me after the game. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, you were like, you got to beat. And I was like, I won't be able to, but good luck. Right, 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 right. Even during that three and three start, was there a turning point? Maybe even in a loss where you kind of thought things were starting to come together. In all three of those losses, really, um, because in Allen, I mean, Matt was there. We're in control. Like, it wasn't like the game, any of those games, it was never out of control. So we were always in control at Allen. You lose to some older kids, so you you leave that game feeling like, okay, that's not bad. Same thing in Plano. We're up. It just kind of gets away from us. McKinney, we spotted him 12 points. It was 12-0 in the first quarter. Wow. And then <laughs> we we come back. We 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 were actually up, and they just kind of lost it at the, at the end. So it was never really a point of we're dead. Like, that mm-hmm. wasn't the point. Like, all wins were, okay, this is what we need to do. And the real turning point was I looked at, I looked at some stats. When we out-rebounded teams, shot 60% from the free throw line, and had less than 20 turnovers, we won games. Okay. So the secret for us was that was a stat. And they got those three goals every game. And it was constant reminders in the games. Now this is your this is your first year at Plano yes, East, and you have a very unique roster. It's it's a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, lots of young kids that are getting some pretty heavy minutes at a young mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. When um when you got to East, um think back to I guess your first uh, you know couple weeks on campus, and mm-hmm. just what was it like having to kind of mold this team and getting them to accept a new sense of leadership at such a young age? Uh, a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that um, it was easy because it wasn't. I think they were still trying to find their identity, too, because mm-hmm. you had Denavia Hall, who was still um, a returner. Otta was still a, a returner, number 25. Mm-hmm. Tiana Amos was a returner. So you had kind of a good mix of young, but it was getting them the culture right. Like, even when I – I think I talked to you about when I was interested in East, I, I didn't necessarily like the job mm-hmm. because I felt like they always underachieved. I wasn't, like, looking for it. And when I got there, I had to figure out, okay, why are they underachieving? You have all this talent, this young talent. So the first challenge was just changing the culture, just getting them to understand, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're walking into. This is what um, I need you to do. Um, And it was a journey. I mean, we've grown together. Like I tell them constantly, everybody can judge us, but we haven't even been together for a year. It's maybe six months. That, that, that we've known each other, so we've made leaps and bounds, and we're still growing. How different is it then versus coaching a team that has a bit more senior leadership on it and whatnot? Oh, it's very different because yeah. um, they're sensitive. <laughs> you know, uh, you have moments where uh, they they're sensitive. You have mental breakdowns. Uh, you have the uh, most of them play at a high level too in the summer, mm-hmm. so you're dealing with discerning the difference of AU ball, coach ball, um, and then the. Just understanding the adversity part of it, like what we were talking about. When they're three and three, understanding, hey, we're okay. Like, y'all are okay, Mm -hmm. not this complete panic that young kids go into. Have you ever, I mean, just had a second to just kind of think then, just like obviously you got to get through this season, Mm -hmm. but just just the long-term potential of what this group could become in the years years ahead? I think that can be special. Yeah. I think that could be one of the best groups that have ever came out of Plano. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, It's some additions, like Denavia Hall has a sister. Yeah. That that goes to Murphy that could play uh, a big eye 
42 has a sister. Yeah. Two as well that's in seventh grade. So you look long term, you're thinking, dang, like I could have a senior group that has been with me for three years mm-hmm. and on top of some young some some young talent. Um, I think the next two years, I mean, they're probably like top five key teams in state to me. Mm-hmm. Like potentially, if they want to get there. Now, talk a bit about how tough this district is. Obviously, you you weren't here last year <laughs> right. when there was literally three McDonald's All Americans in the same district. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they're gone, but it's still brutal. You know, Prosper's yes. still good, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Allen and, and Plano, they, they lose their best player, and they're still mm-hmm. you know state ranked and amazing. You know, how brutal is this six A district? It's brutal. It's I think. I don't think it's necessarily the District of Doom mm-hmm. because you're dealing with two different types mm-hmm. of basketball with the Duckerville and the SGP. Yeah. I think it's the second probably most brutal because there's no day off. It's evident West beats Allen. Yeah. Like, it, it can Boyd beats Allen. It, it can literally happen at any moment. If you're not giving 100%, you could lose. And um, that's hard to get your kids prepared because even in that stretch where we went three losses, they don't have time to think about it. So you literally have to bounce back every game. That's difficult. You're able to survive that phase of the season, yes, though, and yeah, now yeah. you're on to the playoffs. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, there was a chance that you would have had a, a potential seeding game on yes. Friday against uh, against Allen. Of course, that's not going to materialize. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want that for the girls, though, to get another crack at Allen or whatnot? I or? did because okay. we had a long break. Yeah. So we hadn't played for like almost a week and a half. Okay. So I was actually looking forward to that game. And I felt like it would have been tight. Like, I mean, me and you talked. We would like to game seven yeah. of us oh, versus yeah. Allen. It would have helped us either way, either way. So I was looking forward to that game. I think Teresa was too. Well, and you mentioned that this whole season has been kind of a growth process, a learning Mm -hmm. process. Uh, The playoffs is a different step up, Mm -hmm. you know, the intensity Mm -hmm. level. What do you tell your teams, especially your younger girls going Mm -hmm. forward into Tuesday or Uh, next week? We've been talking to them about you're entering your third season. So you went through pre-district where, you know, we placed the Duckerville, the SGPs, the Sotos. You came, we survived. <laughs> you survived when you came through in, in the next part of the season. And now you're entering into where you have to win seven games. So your mentality has to be, everything has to be a level of perfection. From practice to drills to film to, to your scouting report, you have to bring, you have to amp yourself up to another level. And that is a struggle with them being um, so young getting them to go to another level and and a a change in coaching too you know so they've never had to do this much film (laughs) or you know like they're they're i'm expecting a lot of them so you you challenge them but you comfort them too to let them know they can make it uh last thing before we let you go coach um thoughts on your opponent in the first round and what uh what wiley's got in store yeah wiley does it uh coach zunga does a great job over there like they're solid they're they're fundamental um He's gonna try to slow us down. Probably, um, I'm looking for it uh, to be to be a good game. He does a good job over there. Awesome, coach. Hey, well, best of luck to y'all next week. That'll um, yeah, that'll do it. This is Jessica Linson, the Plano East head girls basketball coach. Coach, appreciate you swinging by the podcast, and yeah, best of luck to y'all oh, in the playoffs. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate that. We are here with Justin Bramblett, General Manager of Kelly's Craft Tavern here in Frisco. First off, Justin, thank you for having the, sure. uh, us back out for another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. So, um, yeah, just a, a quick word on just um, to talk about this establishment that you got here. Absolutely. We are a, a an, an American craft 
a tavern. Now, I don't want the word um, a tavern to scare people off. We do have a great list of uh, craft beers, mm-hmm. uh, big back bar focused on whiskeys and scotches and bourbons, full wine list, full craft cocktail list. But beyond that, we have a great scratch kitchen with a tenured staff back there. We do a variety of uh, food options. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, we have uh, breakfast and brunch. It's fantastic. We have a lunch menu. We have hamburgers, uh, salads, sandwiches, um, big menu. So I uh, guess we'll see the American Craft um, um, Tavern. That, that's the first thing they see with, with the big bar. But we are a full, full-service mm-hmm. restaurant as well, um, all the above. So anything you guys want? Awesome. We'll is be there, here. Is there, a, is there a signature item on the menu that folks should uh, be on the lookout for? We have quite a few signatures. We smoke all of our meats uh, in-house, um, smoked sausage, ribs, and brisket, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, everything's uh, made from scratch. There's not anything that's frozen out of a box, but uh, anything that's smoked in our in our uh, back there in the kitchen and smoke is what I would focus on. Absolutely. Awesome. That sounds delicious, man. Well, hey, Justin, I appreciate you for sure. swinging by. And yeah, thanks again for letting us host this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Absolutely. Podcast. Thanks for being here. Big thanks to Jessica Linson for swinging by to chat on the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, and on the, also a, a big thanks to Kelly's Craft Tavern here in Frisco for having us out for the second straight week to record this episode of the podcast as we sit here trying to stave off the smell of, uh, of the ribs or the half dozen burgers that they have here or something from the, uh, the made-from-scratch Tex-Mex menu. It's, uh, it all smells so delicious. That is Kelly's Craft Tavern here in Frisco located at Preston Ridge on the west side of Preston Road just north of 121. Um, all right, gentlemen. So we've talked uh, we've talked some home stretch stuff on the boys uh, boys end of the hard court. So let's um, let's shift gears. Talk a little bit of girls. Now we're going to do our full fledged uh, girls basketball playoff preview on Monday. But um, but we know most of the matchups right now. So just some cursory things that have jumped out at us as we as we prepare for the uh, for the first round. Um, Devin, we've got a uh, obviously with districts nine six a and ten six a hooking up some uh, some uh, cross market flavor between your uh, your schools and mine. So um, to set the stage for what the four matchups are. Um, um, Plano Senior, the district champion from 96A, they take on Rowlett in the first uh, in the first round. Plano East, who we just talked with Coach Linson about, they draw Wiley. Uh, McKinney, which got the third seed in uh, in 96A, they draw 106A runner-up Lakeview Centennial. And the matchup that I uh, want to quickly just uh, touch on a matchup a, uh, that's has plenty of backstory to it. But the four seed from 96A, Allen, they draw 106A champion Saxy. First off, how many consecutive district championships for Saxy? Uh, this is five. Five in a row, 69. That number 69 uh, district victory in a row was uh, Tuesday against Rowlett. So, so uh, I mean, last year, Allen and Saxe was one of the more anticipated matchups that you could conceivably get in the Region 2 6A playoffs. And we got it in the third round. Um, you know, two teams that were far too, you know, it was a very overqualified third round matchup, if you will. And um, certainly a, a thrilling game that went right down to the wire. It was decided on a, uh, a pretty, pretty bang bang sequence where Saxe <laughs> takes the lead with 10 seconds. Left. Allen scrambles back down the court. They miss their initial go-ahead shot, and then the smallest player on the floor, Sydney Adams, all five foot one of her, was able to get a get a putback at the buzzer, and uh, an Allen wins in walk-off fashion. And they were able to parlay that into a trip to the state semifinals. And uh, fast forward to uh, almost one year later, and these two teams are meeting under a very very different set of circumstances. Um, with Saxy, it's just kind of been business as usual, I gather. Well, it has been, but they've been. 
they still remember that game because oh, remember yes. they, they, they are two. They were two years removed from a trip to the state tournament, yes. and they were seconds away from moving on to the regional tournament. And they feel they could have been in Allen's place mm-hmm. if they would have won that game. So um, this was unexpected. They did not. Were, they weren't thinking that Allen was going to be that fourth seed coming no. out of nine six A until a couple of upsets happened. You know, mm-hmm. late uh, late Tuesday. But uh, this is you know again, Saxe has been a, a, almost like a machine through district play. I mean, they just they they come out and they're just methodical in their, in their defense mm-hmm. and just the way they take apart their opponents. And they've been looking. I mean, they they expect to be here. And this is the time of year they've been waiting for mm-hmm. uh, to have a chance to gain a little bit measure uh, a measure of revenge against Allen is a, is, a, is a nice little caveat. But their their mission is is going further, mm-hmm. and um, obviously they're they're going to come out and and treat it they treat Allen with respect. They know what Allen's capable of. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you know if you're Saxe, you're thinking this is the first step in what they hope is a very very long journey. Now, if you'll remember when we were doing our kind of our mid district look at um, at the girls basketball scene, uh, we were talking about Allen as a potential <laughs> district champion. After they had run the table for the first half of district play, I'm thinking, okay, well, wait a minute. How are they the four seed? Um, basically, for everything good that happened to Allen in the first half of district, just picture the exact opposite, and that was the second half of their schedule. They started off 6 0 in district, and they went 1 5 on the back half of district. And was there any like notable injuries or anything crazy? Not, not that I can. It's just basically been, as far as the on court product goes, at least, I can only speak to that. Um, basically, it was just there was one little fatal flaw in each game. They just had such a tough time stringing together just a consistent performance against Plano, which was, you got right out of the shoot. Allen and Plano, first place versus second place. Plano just completely just turns the game upside down by basically stallballing their way to a uh, to a victory. And Allen just got completely freaked out by the tempo change. They did not handle it well. I saw him against Plano East in that game that Coach Linson was talking about. And Allen, for all of its size and length, they could not get rebounds to save their lives against I mean, a lot of you know Plano East backcourt was just having their way with them on the glass. And then you look at a game against McKinney Boyd, which was the real kind of like red flag when McKinney Boyd, which was winless in district up until that rematch with Allen, when Boyd got its first win at Allen's expense. And then you look at the box score and you see that like only one player managed to score more than five points or something to that tune. It's just been a really, really just uneven performance for Allen over the second half of district. And I mean, it's that's the thing. I mean, you, I mean, they had a chance to potentially you know draw a seeding game for Plano East, maybe get the two seed, and then Plano West, a team that was in the in second to last in the district. They proceed to beat them. So um, in Allen's home gym, for that matter. So I mean, it's it just hasn't. Uh, they just have not been able to get any positive momentum since the midpoint. And now, as you you know, as you mentioned, Devin, I mean, they're getting a sexy team that is, you know, probably been. You know, if there was one team that they would probably like to play in the playoffs, regardless of the round, regardless of the stature of both teams, it was that Allen team after what happened last year. And they're they're catching an Allen team that's really at the you know kind of at not exactly the ideal point of the season, trying to figure out just what exactly they have right now. Um, so yeah, we'll see. That matchup is. Uh, going to be uh, all too fascinating when Allen and Saxe uh, rematch uh, next week in the bi-district round of the playoffs. Um, let's see, Brian. Um, let's um, let's talk some action in Frisco. So as far as the matchups right now, um, is there any one that kind of jumps off the page between 9-5A and 10-5A? Lone Star and McKinney North. Mm-hmm. It's kind of not fair that we're getting that in the first round, kind of like Allen and, and Saxe. Yeah. Um, uh, Kendrick's been talking up the, that, that duo for McKinney North. <laughs> Kendrick, what, come on. Yeah, talking up McKinney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> eh, i got to believe something that he said. Right? <laughs> um, what what, what are that? out of character for um, Kendrick. <laughs> was it Amaria Fields yeah. and, and what? Chelsea Wooten. Chelsea Wooten. Yeah, we've heard, you know, they average, you know, like, you know, 
50 million points per game, just the two of them combined. And Pretty impressive. 50 gonna, million. Yeah, it's not hard, to, not, not, not easy thing to do, but they're going to pick. They show how you ever lose, averaging that many. <laughs> well, they're going to they're gonna have their hands full with Lone Star. Um, they play Monday night. Um, at Allen and what should be, uh, actually at JJ Pierce, um, and what should be a, a, a really, really good, really good game that's really more suited for a, a third round, maybe even a regional tournament um, uh, round game. But you know the the job that Todd Muncie has done with that program, uh, his first year there, um, with, you know the, one of their best players being a sophomore in Kyla Deck, and here they are finishing fourteen and four. They have a lot of firepower um, with that team. You know they they're. They've gone through a gauntlet of the Frisco District. They're they're playoff ready. They're battle tested, and McKinney North. You know, that's that's going to be a, a really really good matchup. Over in um, District Eight Five A, you've got um, basically you have like Lake Dallas is uh, got the one seed. I mean, first off, what a uh, what an accomplishment for Lake Dallas. Didn't they tie? They did. Them and Braswell split, so they needed a little bit of help on uh, on Tuesday, and they got that in the form of the Colony, which is able to spring an upset on Braswell, and that uh, created a, a tie for first place between Lake Dallas and uh, and Braswell. There was a little bit of concern that Lake Dallas might have let things slip through their fingers after uh, Little Elm upset mm-hmm. them in the second half of district, but um, you know, but yeah, Lake Dallas and just the in the first year under head. Coach Jordan Davis, they were able to capture a share of the district championship. They won the coin flip, and they are the one seed. But they don't know who they're going to play just yet because in seven five eight there is a four way tie for fourth place that features Colleyville Heritage, Saginaw Chisholm Trail, Azel, and Brewer. Um, and I believe as we're recording this podcast, those teams are playing the semifinals of a mini tournament. Oh my gosh! To determine the uh, who gets that last playoff spot, so you'll have those four teams playing each I've other. I've never seen that before. Oh yeah. It happened. It happened years ago in the Plano uh, in the Plano Island District when they had Louisville ISD in there. It was pretty wild. Just a, a little tournament bit. just to be the four seed. Yeah, just to play Lake Dallas. Yep. Just to most likely lose by twenty five. I mean, we'll see. But nevertheless, <laughs> it's still it's it's fun theater that's, at the end that of the season. Fun. That's fun for those four teams. They get their own little mini playoffs. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, they'll play the semifinals today. Then they'll play oh. the finals on Friday, and then they'll get enough time to prep for that first round matchup against the uh, the Lady Falcons. And then meanwhile, you have the Colony, which um, you know is back in the playoffs. But man, like what a uh, what a time to get that long-awaited signature win in district play. The Colony, who uh, you know was kind of the presumptive favorite heading into the district, obviously you know the the state was not ready for Braswell to yeah. make the leap that they did, and then Lake Dallas, with all its continuity, taking a, a huge leap this season. But um, you know the Colony has you know two of the absolute best players in the state, Jewel Spear, Tamia Jones, and you know it was uh, what a what a night on Tuesday for those two in their final home game as uh, as high schoolers to get a chance to uh, to go off. They combined for 49 points. Uh, Spear. At 25, Jones had uh, had 24, and they were able to score a, uh, an upset over Denton Braswell. Which I mean, when you look at just throughout the course of their district schedule, just how they had you know struggled in matchups against Braswell, they had 15 point leads of, that um, that they let uh, get away against Lake Dallas, and they finally were able to get over the hump, get that signature win. And for a team that is very accustomed to making deep playoff runs, you remember last year they were the team that probably gave Amarillo the toughest test of its postseason run to a state championship. Um, you know, the Colony is a little bit of a different pretense. They're going to be a three seed this time versus a one seed last year, so that means you're, you know, it's a bit of a different road. You're going to have to play better teams a bit earlier in the postseason. But I mean, when you've got two of the top scorers in the state, it's, um, I mean, you give them, you got a puncher's chance against anybody. Um, let's see, and then um, I don't know, Devin, over on your end, um, as far as um, whether it's Mesquite or whether it's five A or or, uh, or six A, what's um, anything that jumps out there to you? Uh, I'm interested to see how Horn bounces back. Um, you know, they had a winner take all 
uh, game on Tuesday against Tyler Lee uh, for the 11 6 8 championship. They were up by 11 at halftime. Mm-hmm. They were in control of that game, and they get outscored 26 to 6 in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Lee goes on to win by 14. Um, and so, you know, that's their last on court activity. So they're going to have to, you know, regroup mentally and, you know, and physically uh, against a very good midway uh, team. That, that district, um, just kind of looking over their overall records and some of what they've been able to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, Harker Heights was district champion, but they've had, um, I mean, Colleen Ellison has some impressive wins, and Midway had some impressive wins. So, um, they, And it's a quick turnaround, relatively speaking, because they got a Monday game, 7.30 in Nennis. Uh, you know, and the other, the other two Mesquite ISD teams that made the playoffs, uh, Poteet and West Mesquite, are going to be big underdogs. Uh, this isn't the Poteet team last year that you know rolled through district and was the one seed. They're a three seed, yeah. having to play a tough Midlothian team. Um, and then West Mesquite is the four seed, draws Red Oak, who's the number three team in the state. So they're going to be underdogs. Uh, like I say, want to see what Horn can do. Uh, quick mention of Sunnyvale, real sure, quick. Absolutely. Um, who uh, this week is the number four team in the Class 4A state poll. They're 34-2. and two. You talk about you know the, the fourth seed earning their right to get drubbed by the district champion. Well, that fourth seed is Athens, and okay. they play on um, next week. But uh, this is a rematch of last year when, number one, Sunny Vale went up against the fourth seed uh, Athens, and Athens won 57-56. Okay. <laughs> so we mentioned the revenge factor with Saxe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sunny Vale's not going to be overlooking Athens this year, but – Assuming they can get by Athens, and we'll talk more about this uh, next week, I'm really curious to see what this Sunnyvale team can do because they've been so good all season long. And then um, just to kind of close out the podcast, I wanted to quickly kind of pivot from uh, from the basketball court to the football field because we had some pretty big news uh, come down the pipe yesterday just on the uh, the local coaching scene with one of the uh, one of the more revered and prestigious jobs that this state affords. Um, it is open. So um, for those who have not heard, um, Plano ISD in what has been a, a bit of a whirlwind of a few months, they have uh, they have pulled the trigger on um, basically the uh, well, I guess the uh, officially the the language of the press release. So they have basically um, head coach Jan McCullough, Plano Senior High School. He has accepted a new position within the school district. So the uh, the longest tenured active uh, football coach in Plano ISD, one of the longest tenured coaches in all of PISD right now. Um, there's a bit of a changing of the guard, and it's um, yeah, it just it culminates just a, a wild few months. Um, just you know, building off of that uh, that football season with Plano ISD, where you know for the first time in 30 years, PISD doesn't have a team in the postseason, and you're just kind of wondering, okay, well, that happens, so what is just going to be kind of the uh, the trickle-down effect? You know, well, then you see in November with, um, you know, Gerald Brents, the longtime athletic director, he announces his retirement, and then last week, they uh, they make the hire of uh, a former uh, Prosper ISD assistant athletic director, Jeff Smith. He gets the job in Plano as their new AD, and then eight days later, they um, yeah, they uh, they make a change with the, uh, again, the most, you know, one of the most prestigious football programs in the state. Um, you know, with uh, with Coach McCullough, he's been coaching at Plano Senior since 1993 as an assistant. He was named the head coach in 2008. Um, in his 12 years at the helm, a 70 and 59 record. Um, you know, eight playoff appearances and whatnot. But it's um, I don't know, just as far as what this because once I mean, once this news broke, I mean, Twitter just blew up because I mean, this is I mean, this is Plano Senior. This is I mean, a program that is right up there with the most successful in the history of Texas high school football. So when there's a coaching move, I mean. That's going to generate a lot of buzz. Um, you know, it's it is wild because lost in all of just the uh, the conjecture about this. I mean, you kind of forget the human element that comes with these uh, these coaching jobs and just the the discourse on social media and whatnot after a coach is hired or let go or whatnot. And you know, in the case of Coach McCullough with Plano, I mean, it's. 
I mean, it's a guy who literally just, he does eat, sleep, and breathe that program and has for a long time. He's a Plano Senior High School alum. He played for the football program. I mean, the guy bleeds maroon and white. And, you know, he is as, you know, he knows... You know, right up there with the, the likes of John Clark and Tom Kimbrough, Gerald Brents, just what that program stands for, and he has so much respect for his predecessors. Um, so when you have that kind of passion for something to, uh, you know, to basically fall short just as far as the other uh, results go, as far as meeting those expectations, I mean, it's just it's got to just tear Coach McCullough apart inside when you factor in just how much that program means to him. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, the results are what they are, and you know, whereas you look at you know throughout the course of his tenure. You know, there was um, there was some consistency early on, but then over the last five years, you've seen the program really kind of level off. You know, I mentioned his um, you know his win loss record. Well, over those last five years, it's just twenty five and twenty six with one playoff appearance. Um, you know, you had more consistency in the first half with postseason appearances in six of his first seven years. But you know, the program hasn't won a playoff game since two thousand nine. And then you look at kind of the teams that were beating them in the playoffs. You know, and there was years when they were losing to you know teams like Skyline and Denton Geyer and whatnot, state ranked teams some of the, uh, you know, the juggernaut teams in the state, um, you know, as you could say at the end of the season, like, you know, okay, we still had a solid year. We just ran up against a, a really good Geyer team or a really good Skyline team, and that's kind of where we're at now because this is Plano ISD saying, okay, we want to get on the other side of that that statement where a team ends the season saying, you know what, we've uh, had a great season, but we just ran into a really good Plano team, which it feels like it's been a while since a, uh, you know, a team's really been able to say that. Well, the, the especially the older school Plano fan base, the expectations are just unrealistic. I mean, it, it's this isn't forty years ago. A lot is so much has changed. And, 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 and I mean, it's 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 the same as we, you talked about Odessa Permian, and the, they think that mm-hmm. they're still the same team from Friday Night Lights. And yeah. even the Garland fan base, you know, that's a program that's won four state mm-hmm. championships, but the last was in nineteen ninety nine for sure. And I, you talk, but you talk to the older guys, older you know, people who have had like three or four generations that have gone through and graduated from mm-hmm. Garland High, they expect it to still be the 60s. Plano is still expects it to be the 70s and 80s, but everything has changed so dynamic. I mean, mm-hmm. when you just talk about the population shifts oh, and, yeah. the, you know, Absolutely. just the everything. Of I mean, and, yeah. the, the dominant powers uh, today, some of them weren't even around mm-hmm. back in Plano's heyday. So, I mean, it's, I know this changes as, as, as far as, you know, over time, but I mean, I just thought Coach McCullough had just expectation level he walked into. He was expected to deliver state championships, oh, yeah. and they didn't have necessarily, I don't know if it's the talent or what, but they don't have you know, it's not the same Plano teams it was, you know, back yeah. in the heyday. It's almost like Plano is the Dallas Cowboys. All this past success, expectations are so high, and then over the, what, the last 20 years, 10, at least 10 years mm-hmm. they just haven't. 1994 was the last time they won a state title. That's the Dallas Cowboys right there, yeah. to, a t- to a T. Wow. Um, it's the one thing, like, no one's ever going to cut Plano ISD any slack because at the end of the day, they still have the second, third, and fourth largest high schools in the state. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I wrote as much at the end of the uh, at the end of the season. If you just look back at the past decade, it's been I mean, it's been rough for Plano ISD. Plano East and Plano Senior did not win a playoff game this decade. Plano West, they just snapped a 33-game losing streak last season. I mean, so it's basically this was this was a message that was being sent um, as far as kind of getting the standard back up to where you know Plano ISD feels it should be at. Now, is this going to be a cure-all as far as just you know slotting in a new voice and a new sense of leadership for that program? I mean, who knows? Plano ISD is not like most districts. There are many more moving pieces within PISC than there is a you know your typical school district, and those sorts of things can impact the way that a, an athletic program operates. 
Um, but just when you look at their history and their success, I mean, in Plano football, I mean, they, I mean, they embody that. I mean, this is one of the this is one of Texas high school football's legacy programs, and just these past months have been just basically one collective effort by Plano ISD to make it clear that um that they want to get back to that standard, and that's you know starting on the football field where again they're held to as high a standard as any t- program in the state. Um, so yeah, that is um obviously the uh, the big news that came down the pipe yesterday, just in the local high school football scene. As far as when Plano's looking to potentially have a replacement in, um, they're shooting for the springtime. Obviously, want to get someone in here before spring ball, just so yeah. those kids aren't having to you know make these on the fly uh, you know these on the fly adaptations to a brand new scheme, brand new coach, and all that. You know, with only so much time before summer gets here. So um, we'll see how that unfolds. Um, but yes, big big news coming down yesterday is Jadon McCullough has been reassigned with do, do we have any idea what his new role or job is? That is, uh, we are still trying to track that down. That's the million dollar question. Yes, it yeah. is. Um, but yes, that is uh, right now kind of where things are at on that front. Um, but yes, a, a changing of the guard within Plano ISD over the uh, the past few months. Um, so uh, yeah, and that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Um, once again, a big thanks to Kelly's Craft Heaven for having us out here. Um, and yeah, we'll be back here next Thursday for a, a bit more of a, a bit more of a festive episode of the Star <laughs> Local Media High School Sports Podcast. So um, in the meantime, folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.